Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Total Italian Football Podcast. I am your host, Cotter Clancy, as ever here with you, even on my weekend off, because you and Burns decided that his weekends off matter more than mine because he's got a girlfriend, apparently. Kev Fugzelski is also here with us. Kev, hello, how are you? Well, in well, I was going to say in his defence, but they are one person, is you, Anna, so uh, um, can't possibly go away one without the other. Um, no, we've done well to get two things in the first 30 seconds there, to be fair, haven't we? Uh, yeah, um, I thought he was I thought he was still around because I was hoping to get um, out of this shithole, which is my flat filled with boxes and going to pod it is. But uh, there you go. He's um, he's let us both down in a way. I'm surprised he's not left you a key, to be honest, Kev, because I know he leaves keys to other people. So I, I think that's a bone you can pick with him. Um, I'm not going to bother picking the bones. I have to pick for them because what's the point? Vito Doria, you're also here because you are, unlike Ewan, dependable. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Connor. Um, yeah, it was good to chat with Burnsy on the last pod. But yeah, this pod, yeah, it would have been good if you was here too. But And at least gives Better you a rest him, too. Hmm? <laughs> Better without him, Vito. <laughs> Oh, look, uh, at least he won't throw in some random words I'm not used to here in Australia, you know, like herding cats and other expressions. <laughs> That's it. Right, boys, you've all you've all fulfilled the task. 90 seconds in, we've all had a pop-up Burnsy, some of us more than others, but I'm pleased. Um, it was a good weekend of Serie A results, if not entirely for on-field action, but it all kicked off on Saturday with Napoli beating Lecce 4-0. Victor Ossiman and the Parthenope very much, well, actually not putting the, the whole saga behind them. But Ossiman did get on the score sheet. Milan then beat Lazio 2-0. The Bianco Celesti's really poor start to the season continues, whereas Milan keep fighting at the top of the table, along with Inter, who, well, completely thanks to Lautaro Martinez, beat Salernitana away 4-0. He came off the bench, scored four times, became the first ever player in Serie A history to start the game on the bench and score four times in a match, which is a remarkable stat. Um, Sunday saw Bologna beat Empoli 3-0. Udinese Genoa finished 2-2. Atalanta Juve was scoreless. And Roma Frosinone finished 2-0 to the Lupi. And then Papu Gomez made his Monza debut as Monza beat Sassuolo 1-0 away from home. Torino Verona was scoreless. And Fiorentina beat Cagliari 3-0. There's a few places to start, a few potential places to start. But I think given all that's happened at the home of the champions in the last seven days or so, Kev, it's only right to start with Napoli, where Victor Ossiman had a turbulent week, it's fair to say. But he was back on the score sheet as they beat Lecce 4-0. Ostigard, Ossiman, Gaetano and Politano all getting amongst the goals. Two of those goals very, very late on. But it's hugely, hugely significant that Ossiman is back on the score sheet for them. Yeah, and I think it was notable that the players, um, you know, sort of how they celebrated with him, um, you know, almost as if they were supporting his uh, grievance with what the club put out on their um, media or through their media. Um, so, you know, I think that he celebrated uh, in a way, although it was somewhat subdued, but, you know, you were beat in Lecce. Um, uh, away from home, I suppose. But uh, so you didn't have to go and run and celebrate with uh, the home crowd. But um, it, I think it's important for the league that he 
hopefully manages to resolve his differences. I, don't, I won't say put it behind him because I think it was um, not very good <laughs> what the club did uh, or have allowed to happen. And uh, I think there does need to be some sort of resolution, but hopefully it, 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 it ends with him staying uh, at Napoli, even if you maybe thought that this might be his last season if, say, big Saudi money comes in and the fact that they've won a title with him, I think it would have been difficult for him to stay anyway. I think a lot of us expected last season to be his last season, particularly when it ended as it did. But he is still there. What's happened has happened. We might touch on it a little bit as we go on. Vito, I'm not actually sure. Did you and Ewan discuss the, the Ossiman saga in the bonus podcast on patreon.com? Look, we did discuss uh, some aspects of it. So, yeah, it's been a murky situation to say the least, but uh, he did put out something on his Instagram in the last 48 hours about uh, Napoli as a city and the fans. So I think he has his, you know, grievances with the club, but uh, he still has this affection for the city and for the fans. So there's that aspect. So it's not like he's over Naples as a whole, which is, I think, more certain parts of the club. They just got to sort of uh, treat him a bit better and show a bit of gratitude for what he's done because those posts on TikTok were disappointing and, you know, disrespectful to a guy who will go down as a club icon or even a club legend because of the heroics he produced last season. Do you want to talk about this, Kev? Uh, uh, well, I don't know. Some of the, I think um, Vito is choosing his <laughs> words more Very carefully, carefully. Than, more carefully than, than, than I would. Um, I think I might have used terms like, uh, don't swear. Dis- well, you know, I was going to say like, uh, disgusting. I think it's, it, it, it shines a light on parts of maybe Italian culture where they still don't quite get uh, EDI issues mm. or that you don't use um, characteristics of people in that way to either celebrate them, if that was what it was intended. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's an overwhelming feel, a feeling of sadness, really, that we're still in this you know having these sort of situations come up it doesn't even feel that long since we had the whole um black friday saga on god it was gazetta wasn't it i think it was one of the non-pink papers i think it might be uh, Corriere. you know i say it's 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 that it's you think oh actually that wasn't that long ago you it's, i know and then something else is still coming up about this you know we're sort of well, I was going to say sort of, but you know, with one hundred percent sort of racial undertones, um, it's just, just not a good. For, look, look, everybody knows what's happened, but Napoli's official TikTok account posted two videos. Two videos. Um, one of them was just after Osimhen had missed a penalty, doing a like a how could we describe it? A high pitched baby voice, right? Um, impersonating Osimhen, saying like, "Give me the penalty" or whatever, and then he missed it. Um, so just like. A lighthearted jab at him, I suppose. And that's a trend. And I've seen that happen with other clubs this season where they kind of like poke fun at their own players and it's not taken too seriously. But I think it was elevated, obviously, because they then posted a video calling him a coconut, which 
isn't yeah. good <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were putting photos of a of a coconut on his face, which has quite obvious racial elements involved there, and it, it, it's not a good look. Like you you touched on, Kev, there are there has been an argument from within Italy that how is that racist? <laughs> and you think, well, if you really have to ask that question, I don't think you quite deserve the answer. Um, but it, it is a pity. I think a lot. At first, I thought a lot was being made of nothing when I thought it was just the the mocking voice because I've seen that trend with other with other mm-hmm. clubs. But then when I saw the coconut one, I thought, ah, okay. But is there an argument here that the discussion is kind of focusing on the wrong thing? So I think there's definitely a discussion to be had, which is on why on earth it took Napoli so long to actually address this issue as a club. But maybe a, a few too many people are focusing on the video when. Vito, I I think it probably shows that not a lot of people understand that it is probably just a person posting it and it doesn't take as much approval as people might think for something to go live on a club's TikTok account. Yeah, and just uh, and just for that person to be able to get away with in the first place, I think, yeah, it's uh, pretty reckless, you know. Just, you know, if those things are like a personal thing, uh, the person who posted it should have, gone about it in a different way that doesn't mean the content was right in the first place but you know your personal thoughts and all that shouldn't not be connected to any way to your employers and you know it's a shame that we see these bad examples from many social media accounts based in Italy whether it be the you know whether it be what has happened with Napoli or the incredible garbage from the Lega Serie English account that pops up I mean, it's a total contrast to the quality content that the AS Roma social media team have put out for the last several years because they seem to be the ones holding a higher standard than everyone else in Italy. Yeah, well, it was a point made on um, it's one of the... Sorry, I listen to other podcasts. That's all right. I said on this podcast last week that we are not my favorite podcast and that everybody should listen to the spanish football podcast and uh you know they made the point about you know how has this got through uh and i think they were they were looking at it through a probably a premier league sort of centric you Mm. know where there are clubs awash with money so they are awash with social media um you know administration and, and stuff and that this has probably gone out by somebody however it does point to the fact that you need more eyes on this sort of thing um, because you can't just, you know, we're in an era now where you can't just get away with going, oh, okay, we've not got a, we've not got a huge social media team. So the, the 18-year-old we had doing this is actually sort of uh, just just dropped the ball on this. Yeah, it, it is. It's mad. Obviously, there's really, really bad sides to it. A lot of the conversation is probably focused on the wrong side of things. Though, go. Yeah, and actually, oh, sorry, I said eighteen year old. I would expect, and again, maybe this is a generalization. I shouldn't be doing that. Uh, an eighteen year old to be a little bit more social media savvy. Mm. So this has got all the hallmarks of something like my grandfather would do. Well, do you know what? To alive. be fair, right? <laughs> so with with a little bit of experience of having spoken to people who work within clubs. There's not as much of a an approval process as you might expect. Like it doesn't necessarily go from the person who has the idea to their superior to the boss. Often it's the person who has the idea posts the thing and they might get approval for the copy. 
that's going along with it if they're non-native speakers. But it's it's probably too much of an awareness of what's trending on socials and not taking a look at the actual content that's being posted. Because as a trend, I'm not for, I don't use TikTok, right? So I don't know if the coconut thing is a TikTok trend. But if you step back from what's popular in trends and you think, should I really compare Victor Osman to a coconut yeah. in a mocking way? Probably not. And this is the they don't maybe don't have the sign off at a, you know a higher level from this person, but somebody signed off employing that person, and in my view, that they've got the skills, they've got the awareness, and also if you're like myself who's just started a new job and only done this today, you do your equality, diversity, inclusion mm. training. And they must have that in Italy. They, you have the software, you sit down, you do your 30 minutes. I got 100% on my quiz at the end of that today. <laughs> you know, I should bloody do because I've, I've been the EDI lead for like an institution <laughs> for the last seven years. But, you know, they should, you know, people should be doing this in this day and age. You talk about equality and diversity training. I would hate to see how long it would be, you know, if they actually did those things in Italy. And, you know, again, I don't want to get into the whole territorial discrimination debate, but, and, you know, we're talking about Napoli, but let's say it's in the north of Italy, like Lombardia or Veneto or whoever, just as a matter of speaking, not only would you have to talk about, you know, how you treat, you know, LGBTIQ people or, people of colour and things like that, but that would even need a special one on how you treat people from the south of Italy. You know, how would you treat a Neapolitan? How would you treat a Sicilian? And it would be a massive list. It's like, and then those, you know, fair-skinned people, they'd be like, oh, why do I have to do this? It would be so painstaking for them because they got to tolerate this and that and just be, oh, be a headache for them. <laughs> but there's, I'm using There's them. a lot. Oh, yeah. There's the there's a lot of problems w- yeah. with this whole thing and there's mm. there's a lot of problems with this country when it comes to discrimination whether it's discrimination with people who are from a different part of this country or people who are from outside of this country i've literally experienced someone's told me that they didn't want to rent me an apartment because i'm not italian before and they've they've been happy enough to just say that to my face and instead take two unemployed students in in my place of a, of a person that had multiple job contracts to offer it's it's a difficult topic, it's a difficult point of discussion, but I, I think everybody can agree that the post was stupid. The fact that Napoli took so long to actually formally respond to it as a club was beyond stupid. And I think everybody at Total Italian Football can completely sympathise with, with Victor Ostiman in this situation and saying that he's entirely right to feel that the club are kind of treating him more than a little bit badly but I do want to draw the line and say that as Ossiman himself has said in the post that you mentioned Vito this post isn't reflective of what Napoli as as beyond the club think of him like the fans still worship him he is still the guy that got them their only ever Scudetto without Diego Maradona I just think a lot of the discourse has been kind of a little bit lost along the way and, and has focused on the wrong thing in in the post itself when it should be more focused perhaps on the club's reaction to the post and i guess we're never going to know what happens to the person who made the post but i would imagine it was just an intern who has been given the keys to their tiktok accounts but 
we'll see what happens there. I, I think the next place to go is obviously to Salerno, not too far down the road, where Inter won 4-0, Vito, but Lautaro Martinez won 4-0, didn't he? I totally agree with that assessment because until Lautaro came on, Salernitana looked like they could have given Napoli a fright. Oh, sorry, Inter a fright. And even some of the football they were playing wasn't actually too bad on the eye. They actually had some interesting combination play and the way they were able to get into uh, the opposition half. It looked like they could have actually had a crack and, and surprised them. But it also goes to show that Ultimately, the bigger teams, they've got the depth. And in this case, Inzaghi was able to bring Lautaro off the bench and he put on quite the show. And it goes to show that at 26 years of age, he's at the peak of his powers now. And we're witnessing an excellent striker in action in Serie A. Kev, a lot of people are saying that Lautaro Martinez is um, a flat track bully because he always scores loads of goals against Salernitana. But I, th- I think that's a bit harsh given his record in Serie A over the last few years. Yeah, well, I was I was looking at to, today for uh, a piece on total hype in Italian football, and you know he scored he scored twenty one goals uh, domestically well Serie A in the last couple of seasons. He's already on nine. I think he's had a real. That it feels like there's just been a bit of a change in him this year. Uh, he, he was clearly one of their most influential players the last couple of seasons, but it feels like he's got the captaincy. It feels like he's going to fire them to the title this year. Um, you know, he will have a dip. You know, he's not going to you know keep banging in. Uh, what is he nine from seven? Um, but it, it feels he's not going to score forty five goals. No, he's not going to score forty five goals. <laughs> not at least uh, not in Serie A alone. But it feels like he he again. If he's twenty six and. I'm looking for another word like elder statesman, but he looks like. And also, yeah, there's been some, there's been some arrivals, and some of that, some of that team that that Conte almost started building has sort of been broken up a bit. And I'm I'm, I'm growing into this feeling that he is going to probably dominate this year. And again, a bit like Osserman, sadly, I hope he doesn't then get poached away on the back of winning what would be a second title for him with Inter but one that he very much sort of spearheads. And, you know, we see two of the, the best strikers in Italy disappear this summer. Speaking of the best forward players in Italy, do we need to talk about Milan's new signings? Because Christian Pulisic, or Pulisic, sorry, Christian, you've confused me with your name so much that I'm going to say it probably wrong and then correct myself every single week. And Noah Okafor both scored as Milan beat Lazio 2 Nil, Kev, you want to say something before I've even finished talking about the game? Go. Well, you said, do we have to speak about Noah Stryker? Noah Okafor. I don't know why. I felt offended by how much he celebrated that goal where Rafael Leal blatantly made it all. <laughs> I, I, the only I, the only thing I will give him, it was his first goal. Yeah, let him have it. He scored <laughs> so, a goal at the San Siro <laughs> against Lazio and it's his first. Come on. <laughs> like he runs past Leal. Leal just beat like two men, got to the byline, dragged it back for him to pretty much just tap into a uh, you know, a net that was only guarded by Provadel. And then he, then he, he goes off and, it, you know, it was the second goal of the game. It was like a last-minute winner. But I don't know, I just something something weirdly offended me about how much he celebrated without acknowledging sort of Liao's uh, input until sort of after he got back up off of his knees after sliding towards the crowd. Well, everybody's been on this that Liao kind of made this celebration, didn't he? Because when Okafor celebrated at his previous club, I can't, it, it, it's not coming to mind where he actually was before he came to Milan. Salzburg? 
Was it Salzburg? I think it was, was one it of the, the Red Bulls, wasn't yep, it? Yep, Salzburg. You're right, RB Salzburg. There you go. I'm surprised. I remember. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> impressed by that. Um, he did a celebration, then Liao commented on on one of the posts saying, "You better do this in my shirt." So there you go. That's that's where that's come from, hasn't it? But this is a big win for Milan Vito because Lazio. Okay, they've had a. I was going to say they've had a slightly disappointing start to the season. They've had a horrendous start to the season, and that win over Napoli looks more and more bizarre as every week passes, but you still have to beat what is on paper at least a decent Lazio team, and Milan took quite decent care of them. They did. Uh, Leal made a big difference with his two assists. Pulisic also, you know, he scored, but overall he was a joy to watch, and uh, Reinders in the midfield, he's just so energetic and so effective too, but overall, the Rossoneri played a Excellent game. Much improved from the Verona game I saw, which was a monstrosity. And, and yeah, they did look fun. Even with the players coming off the bench, you know, someone like Okafor going on to score. And I thought the Rossoneri probably could have added a few more goals because they were really a cut above Lazio in this particular match. They were. And their start to the season has been a cut above what Lazio's has been. I'm looking at our team of the week now. You've put Rinders in there. Vito Leao's also going to be in there. Um, and Kaya, it's it's kind of nice to see him back involved in, in best 11s of any Serie A match day because I think last season he probably dipped a little bit. Obviously, there were problems beyond his, his footballing form, but he's back in that back two with Fikayo Tomori and they look decent. They do, and... Kaya definitely with his experience makes a difference. Uh, Tomori still a fine defender and he's played some good games too. But uh, Kaya, I think you know with his interceptions and ability to read the play when he's fit, he's still an asset for this Milan team. Kev, where do you want to go next? Uh, let's go Roma. Shall we go to Roma? Because Big Rom is on target every time he plays for Roma, basically. He's settling in there so, so well. And Kev, I know you don't like Jose Mourinho, but Mourinho had quite some good quotes after this, as you'd expect. And he says, I'm just glad that I'm not the coach that's destroyed Lukaku because he scores everywhere he goes and he's scoring here. So what more do you expect from him? Um, He got the opener, Pellegrini got the second, and they beat Frozen 2-0. And it's easy to say, it's just Frozenone, but Frozenone have been decent this season. Yeah, and they sort of they took a little while to kill them off, but um, you know I think once they're ahead, they they didn't really look like they were gonna um, sort of lose lose the game. It was I found it weird at the end that it was Pellegrini on the end of a free kick because sort of Dybala mm. sort of swung over that really deep one, and then as I saw the ball hit the back of the net, it was Pellegrini running away behind the goal, and it's like oh. For the last few years, it's kind of been him on every single set piece it feels like Roma have ever taken. Uh, and now they've got that sort of um, that alternative into Barla when he's fit, uh, which he has sort of uh, been pretty available this uh, this uh, season so far. But they need wins like that against, like you say, decent decent sides like Frosinone or you know, been decent this season because they're in a not great shape like Lazio really. And it all, I think it's positive if we can get the Roman clubs a little bit further up the table, depending on which your preference is for. Obviously, we have different sides of the Roman uh, doing some bits for 
with uh, Alistair. And... Oh, I thought you were going to say me, and I was thinking, where are you going with this? No, 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 no. Because no. uh, I don't like either of them. <laughs> with the, uh, the the currently absent members of the pod as well, with you mm. and being a Roman uh, fan. <laughs> no, he's, <laughs> Roman, he is a yeah, fan. Roman. Let's oh, just call it what it is. Maybe a Venezia sympathizer when they're in Serie A. <laughs> when they're in Serie A. <laughs> important caveat there Vito another little dig which I very much appreciate but um, there's, there is this thing isn't there with Mourinho and that he doesn't really train attacking movements Vito he kind of just lets the attackers do what attackers do and he very much focuses on the other two thirds of the pitch but in Paolo Dybala and Romelu Lukaku they've got two of the best players to just let do their own thing in the final third that any side in Serie A has. That first goal was probably an illustration of that. It wasn't a the most intricate movement you can see, but I think when you've got those two players, it's just like give them ball and, and let them do their thing. Dybala was the one that passed the ball to Lukaku, and Lukaku gets criticised for often having a heavy touch on the ball, but in that situation, he was able to keep the ball under control pretty well and still unleash that left foot shot. So I think that was a very well taken goal by the Belgian. And Dybala was the one that assisted for Pellegrini's goal. So again, his delivery is decisive again. That being said, it also goes to show that when Dybala's fit enough, he can just play the game at his own pace. And the way he can just uh, pick out passes and beat opponents... He's just such a joy to watch. And the way he plays at this languid pace, it's just such a contrast to the modern game. He just He's able to just glide around, move gracefully. And it, it sounds like Mourinho's sort of keeping an eye on his conditioning too because he did say after the game that Dybala was not going to feature against Servette in the Europa League. So to have him at least in Serie A and help them climb back up the table, I think it was a good decision. Kev? Atalanta, Juve finished nil-nil. Slightly predictable, if not a little bit disappointing from a neutral's perspective. Well, yeah, it's one of those where kind of Atalanta see Juventus come to town and think, you know, this is one of those where you sort of get your you get your fans charged up for it. They usually perform pretty well for them. They've had some they've had some memorable victories in the last couple of years, and they went close. And you know, Chesney sort of tipped a really fine Muriel free kick onto the bar. Yeah, that was an incredible save, let's be honest. Yeah, and, it, and it's one of those where he's, he got a little bit of criticism for the save, or the, well, sorry, the non-save against the Swolo, and then he was on the end of that Gatti own goal. Um, but, you know, it, you know, he pulls something like that out, and you realise he is a he is a good keeper. Of, well, he's a, he's a very, very good keeper. I think he's not elite because of those mistakes. But when you can do, this, do that and save yourself a point... Um, yeah, he's, he, it was a stunning save from him. He earned them that point, didn't he? It, it's not a stretch. It was late enough in the game yeah. that he did, yeah, because it was like 75 minutes. Um, and that goes in. You know, they hadn't really fretted. I think Moise Ken had a couple of shots that were comfortably saved. But um, they looked a little bit flat in attack. So, yeah, they needed to keep it tight at the back. They did. And... I think after the loss against Sassuolo, it was important for them to just kind of get back on track. They did that. They beat a Lecce side who, let's not forget, were unbeaten before that game. And they got a point away at Atalanta, who, as Allegri was quite keen to say for basically since before the Lazio game, are a direct opposition for 
the top four places. So I think they'll take that. Um, Well, both of those teams will have ambitions for the top four because I think it's it's Juve, Napoli, Inter, isn't it? Are kind of seen as being the top three. And then there's a group that are battling for the top four and two of the teams in the, the capital sides have started horrendously. What are you, you left, doing? You left, you left Milan out of the ones for the top three. I was supposed you to said, say Milan, Inter and Napoli. Who said, did you, I say? You said Juve, Inter, Napoli. Apologies. That's a slip <laughs> of the tongue. Um, and I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> that is a slip of the tongue. The two Milan clubs and Napoli should be the top three and then everybody else is kind of going for the for that fourth place. And then if they're there about March time, see what happens. So I think Juve will probably be happier with this than Atalanta, oddly enough, because... From an Atalanta perspective, I am an Atalanta fan. Everybody knows that. It's always nice to not lose to Juve. Like, th- there is still that feeling because Juventus are still Juventus, Vito, and Atalanta are still Atalanta. So it's kind of a good result for both teams. I think it's definitely a better result for Atalanta than Juve because Juve being Juve, the expectation's always higher. And then... There is their old club motto, Conta Solo Vincere, winning is the only thing that matters. So uh, I think the only one that might be happy with the point would be Allegri, but everyone else on the Bianconeri side, I think, would have been begging for the 1-0 win. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Without Vlaovic, though, as well, who's been so important for them this season. Yeah, that's true. Moise again up front, like, you're probably not going to win a game against one of the other top sides, are you? No. Sorry, Moise. I do like you, but I don't think... You're, You're that good. good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you, Vito. I'll cut my bit of me saying that to save me some some bother. <laughs> I think we should fly through the next few games quite quickly because I'm aware that I'm heading to Milan tomorrow for Champions League and there's two more podcasts for me to record this week. So where shall we go? Fiorentina 3, Cagliari 0. Kevin, Fiorentina are continuing quite a decent and understated start to the season. Yeah, um, recording time has meant I've not seen the goals, but it was just the thing that jumped out is that they sort of stealthily moved their way into sort of fifth place. Mm. Um, Vito said before we came on air, just through goal difference, which kind of shows the the start they had. The problem with Fiorentina, less so under Italiano, is you're waiting for that blip and we're what we're nearly coming up to a sort of a quarter of the way through the season. So is it going to come for Christmas? Is it going to come after Christmas? But um, hopefully not because a strong Fiorentina, I think is good for the good for Syria. And I quite enjoyed my little trip to their dump as I think you called it. And actually they've called it as well. Uh, the fan who was sat next to me when I saw them draw with Lecce earlier in the season. Um, so yeah, it's good that they're going about their business because actually they went two down against Lecce when I was there and they didn't, you know, they, they they look like they were still missing a little something. So for them to to be where they are is a little bit of a surprise. They've kind of just gone under the radar. They have very much gone under the radar, and I think they'll be happy to be operating beneath that radar. But Vito, I'm coming to you for Ricardo Rossellini because I know you love him more than anybody. He scored a hat-trick <laughs> as Bologna beat Empoli 3-0 at the Dalara. So you must have been as happy as, as Mr. Bear was. Oh, it definitely was. And yeah, it was a well-taken hat-trick. Uh, in general, the game should have had more goals. And funnily enough, even Orsolini missed the sitter. So he could have had four like Lautaro this weekend. Even so, still a great performance from him. And uh, the first goal was a nice finish. Very calm for the second. And then the third was a good build-up play. 
can't remember who he played the one-two with, but we're still a great exchange of passes and well timed. So hopefully he can keep this up because it looks like Spalletti is going to start bringing him into the Italian national team too. And that Orsolini miss was, you know, it was at one nil. It would have been his second goal. He completely and absolutely shanked it. Mm. But that's where, when you go back to the Osman thing. That's when you can do that little sort of mocking the missing of the penalty if they've gone and scored yeah, a yeah. trick. Well, they've gone and scored a game. So yeah, is that, there you go. It's it's uh, if they haven't done that, Bologna, you missed an opportunity because Orsolini scored a hat trick. So you could have taken the piss as much as you liked over how he buggered that one up. Mm, agreed. Couple of things to note: um, Remo Florilor is happy, so I am happy. And also, Lewis Ferguson wearing the Bologna captain's armband. At points in this game was was nice to see for anybody from Scotland, I am sure. Elsewhere, Udinese 2, Genoa 2, Vito. Uh, I'll just say that Goodmanson had a good game for Genoa, scoring both goals. And he had a good part in the win against Roma midweek. But uh, aside from that, and Lorenzo Luca, <laughs> bright young Italian kid, scoring for Udinese, which is something but putting that aside i'd like to see these teams back in city b i mean really they're just making up the numbers in city let's be blunt here <laughs> yeah i think the fun things about this game was goodmanson's first he absolutely spanked it and you see you know it was the way it almost took the net off and then the udinese uh equalizer was exactly the same you know about eight yards out absolutely spanked it they're really lovely to watch We've spoken in the past, Connor, about the ones that curl in around mm. off of the net, but actually watching the net almost go to its 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 full capacity, uh, and then also you had the comical own goal, which I'm surprised Vito didn't mention because you know that was terrible defending from Jenner, and then the uh, the uh, it must have been a defender was it that just headed it into the own net? <laughs> can I can I say there was I was watching this. I wasn't watching this. I had it on in the background of, I can't remember, one of the Serie A Feminile games. I think it was Sassuolo Pomigliano, but I can't quite remember. Um, But when Gummonson scored the second goal, nobody looked like they cared. Like, even the way the Genoa players celebrated, that made me think, why do I even have this on in the background? Because they don't look like they're bothered. So why should I be bothered about this? He didn't look like he cared. His teammates didn't look like he cared. So I swiftly switched the game off and just put my full focus on the Serie A Feminile game, Kev. I think there was an element of surprise because that second goal of his, it took a deflection. It was terribly defended. I think he was probably surprised it went in. It wasn't, you know, compared to his first strike, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't amazing. So maybe, maybe that was that was the issue. But it, it had put them two one up, so it should have been uh, celebrated more. It should have been celebrated more. I absolutely agree with you, Vito. Papu Gomez is back. Monza beat Sassuolo one nil. Papu came off the bench. I didn't go because I didn't want to reduce myself to tears at the Mape because <laughs> I'm there so often. Yeah. Well, if. Just before we go back to Papu, uh, it was an interesting result because uh, Di Gregorio had to pull off a lot of saves for Monza. And then the Sassuolo players, they were pretty casual when Colombo scored his goal because they thought there was a foul on Ehrlich. So that was a bit hilarious. I think it made uh, the goal a bit easier than it should have been for Colombo. But uh, yeah, back to the man himself, Papu Gomez. It's just great to see him back in Serie A, even at 
you know, 35 years of age, I still think he can be a value to any Serie A club. And I think in Monza, who play in a similar style to uh, Atalanta, I think he'll fit in nicely. And I reckon with his combination play, his skills on the ball, as well as experience, I think he'll be uh, someone who can give those uh, Brianzoli players a good lift. Yeah, I'm glad I'm you really clarified back, that he I'm was sad. at Monza. Well, yeah, because I, I, I saw reports that Catania were trying to sort of get him back there I'd after love, he had a that. sort of brief, brief stint there. Um, so hearing this, is, uh, I'm, I'm still finding out players have gone <laughs> to places I didn't know. I think the last time we, we must have been on with you that Salamakas has gone to Bologna. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> when Castileo came on for Sassuolo, I think it was during the week, Burnsley messaged me to say, Samuel Castileo was up. Sassuolo, and I was like, "Yes, I told you that this the day that it happened." You and um, there are still a few of those things that are catching me off guard as well. I am, um, but uh, I'm happy that Papu's back, but I am also sad. It's it's a really weird mix of emotions. Well, at least um, their illustrious owner is no longer. Well, let's not illustrious. say that because there there were thoughts that came into my head when Monza announced Papu's signing and then shortly after posted videos of of Papu Gomez and Adriano Galliani one doing the Papu dance and one trying to do what he thought the Papu dance was and our Rome correspondent Alison McKenzie did send that in one of the WhatsApp groups that I'm in with him and I did say he looks like he's trying to kill off Galliani because Galliani's arms were not doing what he thought they were doing. And it was a very enjoyable video to watch, but also did make me slightly concerned for the old, the old egg. I um, think he'd have better coordination after those uh, bonga bonga. Right. Practice. That was the other one. <laughs> there's, there's... <laughs> right. Moving swiftly on. Torino Verona to bring us back down to earth. Vito finished nil nil. Slightly predictable this. Yeah, very predictable, uh, which is a shame because when you got players like Nemanja Radonjic and Duvan Zapata, you'd think that Torino would have some goals in them. And then um, Verona, they've got Ungonch, who's actually been a decent player. So, yeah, kind of sucks when you have a nil nil draw. It doesn't matter who's playing there. You can do other things with your life than watch a nil-nil draw. That's why I said to my dad, I was going to watch a replay of Atalanta Juve because there's better things to do in life than watching a replay of a Juve team with Allegri coaching. <laughs> there are good nil-nils, but not a nil-nil where two teams have two shots on targets each, that's not it, unfortunately. Nah. But that is all of it. Vito, bring us up to speed on Serie B because you've been writing about Serie B for TotalHiveInItalianFootball.com. Your latest piece kind of takes in match days seven and eight together where Parma are top, Palermo are pushing. What's going on in the second tier? Yeah, so and like you just mentioned, uh, Parma are doing very well. They're four points clear at the moment and they're a very effective team. They did have a big win against Catanzaro a few weeks back, but uh, they're just, you know, continuing the business, doing what needs to be done. Um, they got a 2-1 win against Cremonese. Palermo are starting to look good under the club legend Eugenio Corini. They're backed by the City Group, and um, they're grinding out some good wins. Oh, not grinding out. They're actually playing quite well, and they've bet some good teams like Venezia and Sud Tirol. The, those two teams, I think, 
the teams to keep an eye out on. I wouldn't worry about Sutiro's position now because I think they're a playoff standard team. And uh, Feral Pisalo, the newcomers, they got a win on match day seven against Lecco, a 2-1 win. So uh, good for them. But yeah, down the bottom, most of the teams that drop down aren't looking the best. Cremonese, okay, they're doing all right. They're mid-table. But Spezia, despite the win, they're still near the bottom. And Sampdoria are in crisis. You know, second last, five losses for the season. And now there's talk that Pirlo could face the sack if he doesn't get a win against Ascoli. So we'll see how bad Sam's decline will go. Both Samp and Spezia have had rotten starts to the season. And I've been trying, trying and trying. And I'm going to keep trying. So I'm not going to say it on this podcast because I've been asked to not say it. But with each passing match day, it's getting increasingly harder for me to not say what I think Parma are going to do this season. And it's quite exciting, but I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. Mm. Um, Kev, you might have to come back to Parma in the next 12 months or so is is, is all I'm going to say. Um, I think that'll do. Will it? Will we leave it there? We'll be back, of course, in midweek with the Women's Football Podcast, where Ewan and I, when he's back from his holidays, whenever that is, um, we'll be talking about the latest Serie A Manila results. Match day two has been played out and it's been a good one. Big, big, big wins for both Juventus and Roma who were expecting to be the front two again in the title race. And then we'll have uh, another bonus podcast where we'll talk about a little bit of the European action to happen in midweek and we'll look ahead to the next weekend's Serie A games as well. As I said, I will be at Inter Benfica on Tuesday night. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Other than that, all that's left to say is goodbye. Vito, you first. Goodbye. And Kevin. Goodbye. Goodbye from me. Guarda il cielo come blu, col rosso fuoco dell'amore. Dai vestiti così, sei bella più di un fiore.
Abraciate a tu idea, e sarà 